Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Um, I want to just tell you right up front, I'm always grateful that anybody would listen. Uh, I, I realize the most valuable thing you have is time. And it's always a privilege and an honor to share a few minutes with you. And so I want to thank you in advance for staying until I'm done. Amen. <laughs> Come on, bring it. <laughs> I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to try to do part 2. Uh, if I were to title this, I'd title it The Unexpected Kindness of God. Acts chapter 3, would you stand with me for the reading of the Word, just because that's what I did when I was a kid, and it was just always cool. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Say, at the time. At three in the afternoon, I'm just amazed that these guys would go back to the place that had originated and propelled the crucifixion of Christ. But now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day. Say every day. They just walked up and dropped him right there every day. Just dropped him off. right, Bam. To beg for those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Mammon. Peter looked straight at him as did John, and then Peter said, look at us. They drew attention both to him and themselves. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something, say something, something. just anything, just to, from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Mm. Yeah. Walk. Say, Look at your neighbor and say, walk. Hmm. Mm. Say, in the name, name. lame men, walk. Wow. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lame men, walk. And taking him by the right hand, they snatched him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man. Say, same man. A mm, while ago you had a condition. Just a minute ago you had a condition, but now your condition, oh. Who used to, I had a condition, but I don't have that condition. Look, look over at your neighbor and say, I don't have that condition. Mm -mm, it was out there, but not. They recognized him as the same man. Who used to sit begging, say he used to. Look at your other neighbor and say, I used to. I don't do that no more. I used to just sit there, but I don't sit there no more. I used to be quiet, but I don't stay quiet no more. I was just sitting there silently begging. And then I met somebody who knew somebody by the name of Jesus. And that condition got low. Oh, I better stop. I told the person leaving first service, I might get loud in the second service. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Father, in the name of Jesus, just amaze us this morning. Shake us up out of that sleepy-headed thing on Sunday morning and just amaze us. Let your name change the conditions of people this morning. Just alter us and do the unexpected. In Jesus' name I pray. Look at your neighbor and say, I agree. 
can be seated. I know we've all been lame a few times, right? You ever had your best friend look at you and say, that's lame? At least I hope it was a friend, <laughs> maybe a former friend. Yeah, we've all had one of the, we don't know this guy's name. They just called him by his condition. They just allowed the condition to determine what they called him, you know. So many times we call people based on their condition, not on who they really are. That nut. I mean, we just, we just call people. We label people. This man had no name, but he was lame. They, they, they don't really, people don't know what you did. They, 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 or they might know what you did or what you can't do, but they don't know why. And we don't know why this is taking place. That People have already assessed our lives by just looking at the condition that we're in. Because, you know, really, if, if you're crippled, you don't add anything to me. Because we live in a society based on consumers and commodities. And so we, we, we measure up things real quickly and determine whether or not there's any value there or not. Or whether we just drop them off. We don't really expect a lot out of them. You see, this, this whole story about this man at the gate, beautiful, is a revealing of the expectations not only of the lame man, but of the city in which he is lame. It reveals the culture and it reveals him. And, you know, when, when somebody can't contribute to the society, we just drop them off and just leave them, just put it over there. And th- th- we got that, that lame, he's somewhere and we See, everybody has something, one thing that keeps everything else from working quite just right. I think I said it last week, you know, you're beautiful, baby, but you're crazy sometimes. You're rich, buddy, but, but you're rude. You know, just that one thing in our lives that keeps everything else all stirred up. Nothing else quite lives up to those expectations. We've all got them, those unrealistic, unmet expectations that have been imposed on us by ourselves or by the culture or the family, the relationship, or the religion which we were grown up in. We've all been conditioned to have a condition. You see, we've all lived in something that's left us wanting, and now we're just, well, maybe we're not even expecting anything to take place. And we generally allow those faulty expectations to determine our emotions, our disappointments, our discontentedness, our depression. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. When those expectations don't come to pass, we have this heart sickness in us because what should have, could have, might or ought to have happened didn't happen. Our expectations run or ruin our life. Either way you look at it, we are limited by that reality. And when our expectations go unmet, we lose hope. And if we lose hope, you can't have any faith because faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. If you long to have hope in your life, you've got to check where your expectations are. Those false expectations can weigh you down physically, mentally, or emotionally, and they can stunt your growth spiritually. I love what Paul says. He said, he can do exceedingly above and beyond all you could ask or think. God always shows up to do the unexpected. It's interesting to me how God became flesh. Man, I grew up thinking that anything you did in the flesh was a sin. I grew up being told that was flesh and this is spirit. And yet to understand that God became flesh. I think God likes flesh more than you like flesh. He enjoys his experience in the flesh. I need you to understand that there's nothing wrong with flesh. That we have grown up with this idea, uh, but God, the Word, became flesh. That's unexpected. Uh, Virgin, that's unexpected. I have an 11-year-old grandson, and he's in, I think he's in the sixth grade. Is that right? He's in the sixth grade. And they do those health classes in the sixth grade. 
Anybody here young enough to remember that health class? Some of you may need to go to that health class. I don't know. And he came home and he goes, Papa, that virgin thing means more now. He was born of a virgin named Mary. I mean, he'd been saying that for about five years. And then, oh, Papa. Then it's interesting. God will use the unexpected. God God will move in ways that we did not anticipate. He'll do above and beyond all we can ask. He'll take a cross and turn it into the symbol of freedom. He'll borrow a tomb just to reveal that nothing can hold him. God is the God that turns water into wine, walks on the water, stops the storms. This is the God that dashes our expectation so that he can give us real expectations. You see, we're limited because we think we have to perform in order to receive. We think we have to perform. We live in a society that's meritus-based. If you earn it, we'll give you the reward. If, if you earn it, we'll give you the raise. It's a, God cannot serve, man cannot serve both God and... That does not mean money. That means meritus. It means a culture that's built on you performing so that we can reward or punish you. See, the world is built on a meritous society. If you do this, then this will happen. But the kingdom of heaven is built on mercy. The kingdom of heaven has the economy of grace. You don't earn the right to be a son or a daughter of God. It's granted unto you. It's called mercy. That's why there's a battle going on between the earth and heaven. Because when heaven comes to the earth, it won't be about your performance. It'll be about his presence. But you and I live in a world that rewards people based on their merits versus this kingdom of heaven that's based on his mercy. See, that's a real conflict. And if your expectations have to do with what you merit, then they're always going to be, am I, ma- am I making any sense? And you can look at me and say, well, nothing can be like that. Well, heaven is. You, you can look at me and say, that's completely unrealistic. I know, but that's what heaven is. Well, that, it'll never work. Heaven does. I just want you to know I, I, I'm, a, I'm a foreigner here, been reduced to this earthly experience, but that there is something on the inside of me that's bigger than what's here. And that my expectations, I always let myself down when I look at my own performance. And if you're not careful, the expectations you put on yourself will be the way that you judge other people. And when you judge other people, you, then you've distanced yourself from those expectations. Uh, I asked staff the other day, what would you get out of Sunday? And Annie was real quick. She said, well, I, you know, she said, I, I've determined not to have any expectations. Sadly enough, when people let us down, we just stop expecting anything, don't we? Well, after a while, when we let ourselves down, we just stop expecting anything out of ourselves. This is just the way I am. This is the way my mama was. This is the way my grandmama was. I guess this is just the way I am. And just stop expecting, you know, I'm there, you know, I'd have got an education if we were smart, but we ain't smart. I'd have done this if that, but we, we do. We lower our expectations based on the conditions in which we find ourselves, and we just think, well, nothing's ever going to change. This lame man is so interesting to me. He was expecting the bare minimum, and that's kind of the way he lived his life. 
I mean, this gentleman had learned how to cope with his condition and he adjusted his lifestyle to the condition that he was at. And yet the story in Acts chapter 3 is about how God comes along and says, not today. Today I'm going to do what you didn't expect. Today I'm going to surprise you. Today I'm going to amaze you. Today I'm going to blow your mind. Today I'm going to move beyond the constriction of your own imagination. And if you read through the Bible and you become a little bit familiar with it, you'll find out that David, the King David, the psalmist, the shepherd, the warring king, you'll find out that he's the writer in the Psalms that mentions the word expectation about 80% of the time in the Bible. And David says stuff like this, for you alone, God, are my expectation. My expectation comes from thee. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, for I expect God to act. As the deer pants for the living water, so my soul pants for God. My soul thirsts for this living God. When can I go and meet? One thing I desire, and that will I seek, that I might live in the presence of the Lord. For in his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. One day in his courts are better than a thousand years. My expectation is from God, for he is my help, my rewarder, my refuge, my strong tower. It is from David, King David, that we learn that our expectations are supposed to come from a heavenly point of view. This David, this man after the heart of God, this David who even when he failed somehow found grace in the midst of a legalistic society. You remember that Bathsheba thing? That was not a good thing. You remember the Uriah thing? We killed Bathsheba's husband so we could... And, and David is supposed to be stoned according to the law that he's been assigned to uphold. But, but he threw himself on the mercy of God. And the mercy of God triumphs and David is forgiven and he gets a clean heart. And, and he becomes this great king. And Jesus is going to be called the son of David. You say, what's all that got to do with it? Well, just hold on, we're going to get there. David knows how to treat lame people. But we have to understand that David had pursued the presence of God. He had pursued the grace of God. He had understood that God was bigger than the law unto which they had been given. This shepherd boy chosen at 15, 15, chosen, say chosen, chosen and anointed to be king, but sent back to the sheep. You ever felt like God chose you and anointed you and then got sent back to the pasture? Yeah, go home now. You're going to be king, but not yet. Sometimes people get all messed up because they feel the presence of God. And then God says, yeah, but not now. And then at 19, he, he's called to the front lines and there's Goliath. You do understand that giants are always the portal into your destiny. The giants are always standing in front of the promised land. That next time you face a trial, a tribulation, or something that's really big, please, please know that giants, challenges come right as you're about to break through into what God has for you. And God knows how to take people from obscurity to notoriety by the way they deal with the problems that are presented in their lives. And so next time you face a problem, a trial, or a tribulation, please understand that on the other side of that is the promise. But you've got to understand that God's wanting to use that to reveal you and to put you in a position so that you can accomplish what God has for you. Every breakthrough is preceded by the facing of a giant. 
And David understood what it was to be forgotten, the eighth child of the son of Jesse, the one that nobody wanted to consider, and yet Samuel chose this eighth forgotten child, this sheep herder, this, this boy that becomes the carer of the sheep of God, and then, then he becomes a warrior. David, there are a few times he has to run for his life. Everybody wants to be David, but nobody learns how to duck. The Bible says that, that Saul threw javelins at David. How many want to be king? Go, you got to learn to duck. I got news for you. Just because you become a Christian doesn't mean nobody's going to throw something at you. Fact of the matter is, more than often, right? You're going to have stuff thrown at you. You're, what, you don't fight back, duck. Oh, well. We're sitting in a movie theater one night, and I don't remember the movie, but we're sitting there, and something comes flying across that screen, and Annie in the middle of 200 people go, duck, fool, duck. Everybody went. And sometimes I want to look at some of you, and you want to know, how do I get out of this mess? Duck. That's all you got to do, just duck. It go right. You can miss a lot of confrontation by just... David knew how to duck. He knew how to move around certain situations. And now David is living in a house that he didn't build. He's the king. He's got pillar marbles and stone floors and expensive rugs. And he's got the enemy under his feet. And now I want to suggest to you that the real test of a man is success. I want to suggest to you that the real test of the American West is her success. When you finally make it to that place where your bills are at least halfway paid, right? To where you, you it, it's happening again. I mean, we're about through COVID and we're getting comfortable again. And the real success is not the lion or the bear or the Goliath. The real success is when you. I'll pick the story up there in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 3. And then the king said, Is there still someone of all the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? Kindness. Here he is, and he's reached the apex, and he said, I, I, I need to be kind to somebody. You see, if you've ever received the kindness and the mercy of God when you could have been stoned, you, 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 you need to ventilate that kindness. Real love has to be ventilated, has to be given away. He goes, I, I'm, in, I, I'm in this place, and I'm in a good place, but I'm finally at a place where I could be kind to somebody else. Listen, I, I've spent my entire ministry trying to help people get out of tight spots, and once they get out of tight spots, what they can't do is take the next step, which is be kind. They don't stay in. They got through their trouble, but they don't realize there's other people still in trouble. Is there anybody I can be kind to, give favor to, undeservedly? Not somebody that has earned it and rewarded it and we give you a prize, but is there somebody stuck, dropped in a place that needs help that I, through my kindness, can help lift them up out of that situation? See, I think that's the challenge for the American church is, is there somebody around that I can help? I need to be kind, as kind as God has been to me. I need to move past this required performance and put expectations on people to pull themselves up by them boots. I've heard that so much. I pulled myself up. They can pull themselves up. Well, listen, honey, who put your boots on you? Who gave you the strings to pull? Well, I did it with these two hands. And where did you get those? Well, I went to college, yeah, and who gave you that brain? 
See, that whole idea of, oh, I can do it. And you can. No, no, no. David said, who can I be kind to? Who is it that's stuck in a place that they can't get out of and there's no way for them to do it, but I have the ability to recognize who they are just because they are. Ziba the, said to the king, there still is a son of Jonathan who's lame. Say lame. Crippled in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed he is in the house of Makar and the son of Amel in Lodabar. Say Lodabar. And then the king David sent and brought him. I love the translation that says he fetched him. Say fetched. You fetch the newspaper, boy. You don't fetch. You fetch me a glass of milk. You fetch me. Fetch. That's what you say to the dog when you say get the bone. Fetch. 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 Fetch something. You don't, you don't fetch a grown man. I'm just saying if you're a grown man, you're going to get this. I don't need to be fetched. Go fetch me. Go, go carry me. Listen, it's uncomfortable to be carried by another man. Come on, guys. You have to put your hands in place. Don't fetch me. Go fetch him and bring him to me, the house of Makar, the son of Emil. Can you imagine sitting in Lodabar, Lodabar, and all of a sudden the ground begins to rumble because they set out 600 chariots. 600 fighting chariots and probably about 2,000 men running behind. Can you imagine the ground? You were four years old when you went to Lodabar and for the last 25 years they've been telling you that if David ever finds out where you're at he's going to kill you. Fear. False evidence appearing real. Play again. That's not true. It's false expectations appearing real. See, it's what we expect in our head that keeps us in bondage. False expectations. And I can imagine Mephibosheth, the crippled boy, laying in Lodabar, and now he's shaking because all of a sudden the king, who he's been afraid of for the last 25 years, has sent chariots to fetch him, to pick him up, to grab him, to bring him into the presence of the king whom he's afraid of. And then Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David. He fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan's sake. I, I brought you here not to kill you, but to be nice to you. I've come from heaven not to judge you, but to die for you. I've come to reveal my love to you. You don't need to be afraid anymore because I'm going to be kind, 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 kind. Can you imagine laying there on the floor crippled thinking, kind, what does kind mean? I've never had anybody be kind to me. You know, if no one's ever been kind to you, you have no reference point of what does it mean to be kind? What does it mean to be nice? I've got to tell you, in the 21st century, I don't see a lot of kindness. I mean, and I don't mean kind, I mean the kind of kindness that you give to somebody who's bad. I don't like that language, but this is the only language I got. I mean, somebody that deserve your kindness, but you give them your kindness even though they haven't earned anything. I mean, it's one thing to be kind to people that are kind to you, but it's, it's, it's really unusual to be kind to people that are unkind themselves. To, to give mercy means you give something to somebody that they don't deserve. I'm going to be kind to you. Not even because of you, but because of your father. 
because I had a relationship with your dad. I'm going to be kind. You don't you had nothing to do. You, you weren't even alive when we promised to be kind to one another. And now that he's dead, I'm going to be kind to you and you, you get his place. Hmm. Am I in the room? Say kind. I'm going to show kindness to you for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore to you. Say restore. Did you know kindness always precedes restoration? Everybody wants restoration, but no one wants to be kind. If you want restoration, you're going to be kind. God would like to restore some things to you, but you've never been all the land of the Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat the bread from my table continually. Kindness. Kindness will conquer fear. Kindness will open up the restoration. Kindness precedes breakthrough. Breakthrough in 2022. We need to start a movement of kindness in order to see the breakthrough that we so desire. And so he bowed himself before the king. What is your servant that you should look upon him like a dead dog? I mean, it's obvious that the self-esteem of Mephibosheth is pretty low. I mean, his view of himself has got, have you ever been in a position where your view of yourself, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest dog of them all? Have you ever been in a place that it really didn't matter who carried you and where they put you, you didn't feel good about you? It's interesting to me that David ignores this. He ignores the self-examination of Mephibosheth. And the king calls Ziba, the Saul's servant, and says to him, I've given your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you'll bring the harvest to your master's son that he may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, will eat at my table. Mephibosheth, I want to restore to you everything that is in your family lineage. I'm going to make your servants sow and reap the harvest. I'm going to make them bring the harvest to you, but you will never need the harvest. So you go ahead, you behave, you earn, you perform, and you get your merit badges. You go ahead and make all the money you need to make. You do everything you need to do to to be the best Christian you can be. But can I tell you, I need none of it and you need none of it. Even when you're good and you do everything you know to do, can I tell you, you'll never depend on yourself to feed yourself because I've decided to sit you at my table and you'll eat from my table. And even though you are good, even though you can grow crops. And even though now you can, and I've given it back to you, you'll never need it because you're going to sit at my table. Oh, not only are you going to sit at my table, but you're, as Mephibosheth said to the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Now, let me just talk about two of David's sons, Absalom. Absalom is the most handsome man that ever lived. He had this flowing. He was on the back of every romance novel ever written. He is that dude that's got pecs. He's got this hair. He's what every woman goes gaga over. Yeah, they, they, they act like they don't, but they do. You know, Matthew McConaughey. They, oh, Robert Redford, if you're older. Uh, (laughs) Absalom, he's beautiful. And then Amon, and he's just slightly uglier, just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit. And here's this crippled boy. 
Not only are you going to eat at my table, but I'm going to set you among the beautiful people. And I'm going to take your crippledness and your lameness. If you noticed, David didn't heal Mephibosheth. But he set his crippled legs under the tablecloth of the king's table. And when you look at the king's table, you don't know if there's anybody crippled. All of a sudden, you're one of the king's sons. You may not have been born in that house, but you've been adopted and now you sit at the table of the king and the servants of the king will wait on you even though you got your own servants and you've merited your own position. I'm going to give you a position that you would never have merited. This is above your expectation. This is beyond. This is unexpected. This is unimaginable to slide your crippled legs to be carried to the table. I've often wondered why we didn't heal Mephibosheth. I think it was because of a daily reminder of the goodness and the kindness of God that was being distributed to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was sitting, look at your neighbor and say, he carries me every day to his table. Mm, I could go sit at my own table because my harvest comes in every day. But my harvest, me, oh, I get tickled with Christians who want to brag about their harvest. Let me tell you about the table that I sit at. Because he placed me there due to his grace. I mean, when you hear that, I wonder if Mephibosheth is going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. They've been killing the sons of Saul. They've been killing the sons of his concubines. They killed my dad. But I've been hidden Because of my lameness, I've been hidden. That thing I've been complaining about, that thing I've been crying about, that thing I wished had never happened to me is the very thing that kept me from being killed. Next time you complain about your condition, please understand God uses your condition to hide you until he's ready to put you into a position. The thing you're wishing would get over really quickly is probably what kept you safe for a quarter of a century. God will hide you. Your condition is so that God knows how to work all things together for the good of them that love the Lord. And he can work with you. You don't have to cope with it. He'll just use it until he's ready to move you into. Hmm. So you could even be disappointed in your condition if you understand that God's using that condition. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm still alive. I'm here this morning. I've been down in Lodabar. <laughs> You've not heard from me because I've been in Lodabar. Lod- Lodabar is that place that has no green grass, no grazing sheep, and there's no harvest coming in there. Lodabar really means no communication. It, there's no cell service. There's, there, there's no internet. There's no texting. It, 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 Lodabar is that place you send people to shut up. Lodabar is that place out of touch. We, we send you over there. You, you're getting on my nerves, boy. Go put your nose in that corner and, you know, when those children don't behave the way you expected them to behave, and now they're getting on your nerves and you just want them to be quiet, so you're being a good parent, you make them go off in the corner and shut up. Rather than taking time to understand what's going on in their mind, you just exclude them and put them in Lodabar. And you call it time out because you ain't got the energy to find out why they're crying. I wish you'd do a parenting seminar, Pastor. No, you don't. No, you really don't. (laughs) 
because I'd unnerve by half of you. Your children are the image and the likeness of God given to you with the potential of being like God, and you're sticking them in a corner and telling them to shut up. Hmm. That's Lodibar. Out of sight, out of mind. And then you wonder why they grow up disappointed because they can't meet the expectations of the culture into which they are shoved, which is based on merit and not mercy. Well, but, 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 but what am I supposed to do? Yeah, time. We, we, we stick all kinds of people. We, we, we stick them in a box. They're drunks. They're drug addicts. They're this. They're that. Most powerful country in the world, the wealthiest country in the world. We got more people incarcerated than any other country in the world. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. There are other solutions. Because see, in every broken man, there's a broken boy. In every broken woman, there's a broken girl. All we know is what they did. We never take time to find out why they did what they did to put them in the condition, in the lameness. I'm sorry, if you came to this church for easy answers, this Lodabar, that place where there's, that place where you can't scream. Have you ever been put in that place and told to be still? Have you ever been put in that place? It's that place where you, you can't give that testimony. You can't write that book. You can't write that blog. It's that place where you got to be quiet. Just hold your tongue. It's a ghetto. Nobody goes on vacation to ghettos. It's that ghetto. You don't want to be in the ghetto, but you've been in the ghetto. I've been down in Lodabar. I've been in this ghetto. And listen, you... No one wants to know why they're in the ghetto. No one wants to know why they're in Lodabar. No one, no one takes the time to recognize that Mephibosheth got dropped. He got dropped. 25 years ago, by no fault of his own, he got dropped. They were killing Saul and killing Jonathan and going after the sons. And the nurse picks up a four-year-old boy, starts down the steps of the palace, and drops the baby. You ever dropped a baby? Ever, come on, can you feel that? You dropped that baby. I've dropped a baby. Oh my God. They dropped the baby and it broke the baby's ankles and the baby was lame. We wonder why people do what they do. Sometimes they've been dropped. They didn't choose to be abused. They didn't choose to be born in that country. They didn't choose to grow up in those conditions. They were just dropped into there. Most of you have been dropped into a pretty decent culture. But dropped, people get dropped. They get dropped on their head. They get dropped. The marriage dropped them. The loss of the job, the, the economy, and it, it dropped them. And they turned to a, they just got dropped, and they were crippled. And, and Mephibosheth was dropped twice. Dropped on the steps of the palace and then dropped in Lodabar. Now shut up. We don't want to talk about your problem. We don't want to face the issues that you're, <laughs> that, let's keep that hidden. Why, why was this man in Lodabar? Because he got dropped. He got dropped twice. He, 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 he could. See, most people meet you in the phase of life that you're already in, and they don't understand any of the other phases of your life that may have left you in the situation or the condition in which they now find you. 
And most people don't take the time to understand that and try to figure out that I wasn't always angry. I wasn't always weak and unstable. I, 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 I got, my dream got, my vision, my, it, it wasn't just a temporary thing. It's a permanent thing. I can't get over it because it's permanent. And it's changed my life. And I'm stuck at the age of this event. Hmm. If I had time, I'd talk to you about how when people are dropped into certain situations, it says that their emotional, mental growth gets stunted at that age. And so they might be 50, but they're really 15. They haven't developed beyond the initial dropping. Mephibosheth had been down there and he had been silent. If you're, if you're in that spot, let me tell you, sometimes if you're going to break through, you've got to break the silence. Oh, well, so quiet in here this morning. I could talk to you about another man who was blind, and the only way he broke through was to break the silence. See, Lodabar's where you send people, and you say, shh, shh. Lodabar's way out there so that when you scream, nobody can hear it. Listen, there are people that are, there are people in our culture that are screaming because they were dropped twice. But they're so far removed from where you and I live that we can't hear the screams. Are you listening to me? And we live so well, but there's somebody screaming. They can be right here. They can be sitting right there. And I didn't hear it. Don't think I'm talking down. I'm talking about my own life. They can be right there. David, go fetch that man. I'm going to restore him. I'm going to sit him at my table. I've prepared a place for you in the presence. I've prepared this place, Mephibosheth. And in that place, no one will even see the fact that you were ever dropped. I've prepared a place that no one will be able to see how you got dropped and how you fell and how you got hidden and how you got forgotten. I'm about to put you in a place where only the sons of the king sit. I'm going to put you in a place right beside me, right at the right hand. I'm going to reach into the depth and the death and the denial of humanity and I'm going to take that death and I'm going to bring people and I'm going to put them back at this table prepared for you in the Father's house. You see, these stories are metaphors, symbols, pictures, if you will, of the reality of a God who is a merciful God, not a meritous God. That his kingdom is run on mercy and favor and grace. And how he's going to reach into a culture that is still punishing people for their behavior. And he's going to snatch them out and put them at a table and say, it's not about their behavior. It's about who I am. And I chose and I give you your identity because you is, not because you did or you didn't do. That is the gospel. That's why religious people go, oh my God, you can't mean that. I desperately mean that. It's why I'm so passionate about preaching it. It's because it dashes the expectation. It pulls down the ego. It makes all of us humble. God breaks through to restore and to repair and to bless and to cover. 
Okay. And every day, they dropped him at the gate. Are you making the connection? Lodabar can be anywhere. Lodabar can be in plain sight. It can be down there where there's no grass, no sheep, no harvest, or it can be right there. It can be right there. Lodabar is any place where the bar has been so lowered that you're not expecting anything from God. Lodabar can be any place where after many disappointments, you just kind of sit there and don't expect anything to change. And you just kind of go on autopilot and you just drop him right there. The culture and the system around us is mm, right just across the street, down the hall, just not expecting much, just a coin in this cup. But I've been sent to tell you, Father's house, that he does exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or think. And that when you get to that place in your life where life has put you in Lodabar and no one's listening and you're forgotten, that's the atmosphere when God sends Peter and John. That's the atmosphere of the miraculous. That's the atmosphere in which now God can do the unexpected because no man's going to get credit for this. No one's going to get a feather for this. No one's going to get a badge for this because you're just dropped here. And I'm about to do stuff that has never been done before. There's a breakthrough that's about to come. I'm about to reveal my kindness in the midst of a world that doesn't even expect it. You're, you're expecting a coin, but I don't have any coins for you. I don't, I don't have mammon for you. I, I don't have a system that if you meet, then you'll get. I don't, I don't, you can shake the cup more and better than anybody, but I don't have. No, I have something else. You see, I, I, have, I have this mercy that God gave me. You, you see, I failed. I denied him three times. And I left. Well, they killed him. I expected to be the best disciple there was, and I failed. But, but he loves me. He came and found me. Even though I failed him, and he was kind to me. Silver and gold have I none, but can I tell you about this mercy that I have received? Can I tell you, I, I thought I'd just go back to fishing. But he came and found me, and he said, not because you're rough and tough, and, but, but because I'm kind and good and true. Uh, am I, such as I have. You see, until you know what you got, you can't give it away. That's why the church today is trying to give away its programs trying to give away his doctrine. If you do this, if you're baptized in water and you talk in tongues when you come up and you, I don't know. <laughs> if, you, if you go to the right church, if you don't go to the wrong church, I don't know anymore, Brad. 
but we've created this whole merited system. And then long comes Jesus and says, well, I know how to send my disciples. You see, David sent his chariots. Jesus sends you. David sends his servants, and Jesus sends his servants. I realize some of you were connecting to being in Lodabar, but now some of you ought to be connecting to the fact that you're no longer in Lodabar. Some of you ought to be connecting that God's been kind to you. Some of you ought to be going, oh my God, he saved me when I was yet a sinner. He loves me even when I fail. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Oh, I forgot. I'm passionate, not because of what he bought me, but I'm passionate because he caught me. I'm passionate because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm passionate because he just kept coming for me. Silver and gold have we none, but we're here to be kind to you. (laughs) Can I tell you something? The 21st century needs a lot more kindness. It needs people who have received the goodness and the kindness of God David knew how to be kind to Mephibosheth, and Peter and John knew how to be kind to the beggar. Hmm. Such as I have. Oh, let me tell you about this mercy. Let me tell you about this grace that covers me. Let me tell you that God shows up and chooses people like me to minister to people like you. Let me talk to you about how God uses un. unlikely people to do unexpected things for unexpecting people. Wow. Well, if you have enough faith, can I tell you, I don't don't know. (laughs) If this is all of my faith, I don't know. I mean, he's always done stuff I wasn't believing for. (laughs) I mean, I believe God. But he's always done more than I believe. If, 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 maybe, it's, maybe he's right. Maybe a mustard seed. A mustard seed gets something unexpected. I think I, if you just try to believe. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, just make believe. <laughs> just, just help the pastor out here a little bit. Just make believe you feel it. Silver and gold have I none, but we've come into Lodabar. We've come into your silence. We've come into that place we haven't been expecting. Silver and gold, I've I've come into this place. You, You do know that when Christ died, the veil in the temple was gone. Anybody, anybody biblical enough to know that? But top. No more, and where he was supposed to be, he wasn't. He was supposed to be back there on that ark, you know. He and 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 he wasn't there. He he moved from from back there, and now he's on the front porch. In his presence is fullness of joy. It is right here, pleasures evermore. One thing I desire, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house in the presence of God. How many want to be in the presence of God? Can I tell you, he's not hiding behind veils anymore. 
You wanna know where God is? He's in Lodabar. He's wherever there's pain. He's wherever there's suffering. He's wherever there's somebody who's been dropped. He's in the marginal. He's in the outcast. He's in the people that the church say are going to hell. He, he's, he's on borders. <laughs> oh my God. He's with the wrong tribe. For if you do it unto the least of them, where is God? He's in that place of pain, that place of crippling, lame, forgotten, judged, labeled humanity. That's where you find the presence of God. Peter and John weren't going to see behind that sewn up curtain the Wizard of Oz that I know. Man, if you think it's weird out here, you ought to be in here. We still got wizards. My big finish was ruined (laughs) by a microphone. I have grown because 30 years ago I would have thrown that microphone. <laughs> I'd have stomped on it and said, there, buy me another one. <laughs> the presence of God is always in Lodabar. It's always with the crippled man in the front door of the temple. It's always in those places where the world is screaming you as undeserving. The world is telling you they're undeserving. God is always in the place where the world is saying they're undeserving. Because that's where the mercy of God, the kindness of God is seen. The unexpected kindness of God heals people. The unexpected kindness of God restores people. The unexpected kindness of God that is ventilated through people who have already received. I'm your pastor. I'm saying to you, go be kind. You want a breakthrough? Go find somebody this afternoon that's undeserving. Go find, you want breakthrough in your life? Go, I can give you some addresses. Go find some folks that are in Lodabar. Scream with them. Go find some folks that are in Lodabar and help them. Lift them. Snatch them. Fetch them. Because real faith says, such as I have. Because I have it. I have the mercy and the grace and the goodness and the kindness of God. You may have to look beyond what you think and expect of me. Breakthrough in 2022, you got to tear down those limiting beliefs. <laughs> Go to Lodabar. You won't have to go far. I used to think you had to go around the world. 
Now I can take you down to B in Maine. <laughs> I, I can take you to the hospital. Holly will take you to the hospital this afternoon. I can take you across the parking lot. It's just, just right there, about 200 feet. to somebody else and as you give it'll be given to you pressed down shaken over and running over into your life if you go put this to practice and not let it just be lip service but let it be the way you live somebody's waiting on you to show up So this afternoon, if everyone in this room would go some find somebody to lift up. Now sleep better. Feel better. Father, I pray this morning that this little talk is encouraging and not discouraging. You know, it's interesting to me. People are always saying to me, what's the application of your sermon? I, I, I got to tell you, I go back and listen to my own sermons. The application is go do that. Go be that. You don't need three steps. Just go be kind. Hallelujah. Lord, I release these people just to be kind that they have received. May they give. With your eyes closed, I want you to see one face. I want you to think of one name. I want you to think of one person. I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.